the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Here's a picture of Sugar Grove Valley Road. This is the state highway near my street. This isn't even my street about an hour after church was over Sunday, last time when we were all online. By the way, again, welcome everybody joining us online. It was a blessing that we were able to still keep things going, and so many of you joined in. But um, here's why I share this. Now that we've all been through Snowmageddon 2024, <laughs> we have some stories to tell. There's some camaraderie. You see a little pile of snow, and you're like, mm. <laughs> Right? This is what happens when you share something with someone, when you're on a team, when you're part of a family. And, and for, for Christians, there should always, always, always be love stories. Not, not so much like who's going to end up with who at the end of the story kind of love stories, but stories about how we live out God's love. Because here's what Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And he uses there a form of a word I hope is starting to get familiar. It, 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 technically, right at that moment, it's a lay loose, but it's a form of the word a lay loan. Would you say that out loud with me? A lay loan. It's a beautiful word and it means one another. It means each other, but it's deeper than that. It means there's a sense of belonging. It's, it's the people on your team, the people in your family, the people you're doing life with. In this case, the people of the family of God. It's who you are. It's what you do. This is how we do it. And so we're going to continue this morning to keep going through, remembering together and trying to get better than ever at doing these things that Jesus has told us to do and staying away from the things that he told us to stay away from. Quick review, and then we're going to jump right back in. It started with, we speak the truth in love. And that doesn't just mean don't tell lies. Of course it includes that. We can't lie to one another. God's people may not do that. That's not an option that he gives us. God is the source of all truth. He loves truth. But that's the most important part of that idea, is we speak what is true to one another. We do that lovingly. We remind each other, we teach each other, we make sure that no matter what else is going on, that we are telling each other what is real and what is true. Because that motivates us. That helps us to actually accomplish what God wants us to do in this world. Last week we talked about the need to forgive. No matter how hard we try, we're all human beings and we all mess up at some point and a lot of Jesus's teachings, a lot of Paul's and Peter's and the rest of the people who's very specifically tell us these things. Here's how you treat one another. They say over and over, forgiveness is a big part of that. Well, this morning we're gonna keep building on all of that and keep going, beginning with Colossians 3, verse 12. Paul writes, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love how Paul and sometimes some other writers in the scriptures also use it. But Paul does it a lot where he talks about we wear something. 
We take something off, we put something else on. He talks about it here. We clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, etc. He talks about the armor of God. And, and, and you know how this works. When you see somebody wearing a uniform, you know something about them, right? If you go to Walmart and you see somebody wearing the vest and it says, how can I help you? If you need help, you know who to ask. Does that make sense? You see a policeman, you know which person in the crowd is a policeman. They're wearing a uniform. You don't need that many examples. We know how this works. Well, when people see somebody walking around and it's so obvious that they are full of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, especially by just how they're treating each other as the crowd is coming toward them, they should be able to know, oh, I know who this is. These are the people of God. Bear with each other, Paul writes. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Speaking of putting things on, my dog Okoye will endure just about anything because she loves us and she really likes treats. That's her wearing a TCTC hat. That, I, I show that because I like my dog, and also I, I think it's, it's one more way to see that there's an extra level here. See, that Greek word there that means forbear or tolerate, endure, bear with, make allowance for, put up with. It's a pretty simple concept. You'll put up with stuff for just about anybody, even, even strangers. But in this case, what we're looking at is Paul telling us, and next to my alelong, there's another level. You put up with, you forbear, you tolerate, you, you endure, you work with, you make allowance for the people of God on a much deeper level. Because we're on a team and we have to work together. I like the way the New Living Translation renders that verse. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Are we tracking so far? Is this? All right, so here we go. This is where we're really digging into what we're looking at specifically today. I'd like you to say that out loud with me. We make allowance for one another. It's who we are. It's what we do. And just to clarify, make sure this does not mean we justify one another's sin. It doesn't mean, hey, I love that person and I know they're a pretty good person. So that thing they're doing, I know it says it's a sin, but it can't be that bad because this person that I love does it. So I think it's probably okay. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean we justify sin or endorse sin. What it does mean is that we offer grace, we offer chances, we offer time just like God offers to us, still hoping that somehow or another that person will be able to get it right. And sometimes, here's the hardest part, sometimes we have to jump right in there and and clean up the mess that they made. Uh, Anybody that's ever had younger kids or 
honestly been around many other human beings in a closed space very much, you know that there are messes to clean up, right? And nobody likes it. Nobody likes changing diapers. Nobody likes cleaning up spills day after day. Nobody likes picking up after everybody else. Nobody really likes washing dishes. Well, maybe one or two people, but not very many of us. But we have to. We have to work together. And sometimes there's one person in the house that does almost all the cleaning up. And it's not always the mom, but it's not fair whether it is or not, right? If one person has to do all the cleaning up for everybody else, that's not fair. But sometimes you have to or the house doesn't get clean. Eventually, the goal has to be, hey, everybody plays their share. And everybody does, everybody learns to be a responsible adult here. But, but along the way, we have to offer grace and make up the difference sometimes. And I don't know about you, that's hard. I don't mind bearing my own weight, but I expect other people to carry their weight too. But especially for one another, we've got to make sure we get there. Because people make really weird mistakes sometimes. Uh, like this, uh, this post I saw under, um, you had one job. Long yellow things, 78 cents a pound. Now, now I, I don't know how this happened. It might have been a prank. It might have been somebody goofing around. I don't know what happened. God forbid they actually just didn't know even what a banana was. But here's what I know for sure. Somebody had to fix that problem. Somebody whose job it was not that day had to go and make a new label. Do you know what I mean? Somebody had to fix that because if you go to a place like Food City and up on the wall it says the food experts and you see, by the way, that's not Food City. Please don't sue us, Food City. I'm just using an illustration. But it says the food experts and then the tag says little long yellow things. Next to bananas, you're, you, you lose a little faith in their expertise about food. And it's not Food City's fault. It's not the management's fault. It's some crazy person on the floor's fault. And yet you've got to help clean up the mess. Moses and the Israelites had to experience this a lot. And honestly, to be totally fair to, the, to all of them, they, they were slaves. They had been through a lot of trauma. They had been through a whole lot of stuff. And then they're living in the wilderness. They're camping out for decades. It's, it's stressful. It's a weird situation. But man, you talk about having to make allowance for a lot. Moses and Joshua and the other leaders, they, they eventually were successful, but only because they persisted. Only because they made allowance for the unacceptable behavior that happened over and over. And again, they never said it was okay. That that, that picture had Moses about to break the Ten Commandments, literally like break the tablets. But he didn't say, oh, never mind. You can worship idols too. It's okay. God loves you. I love you. We've got to get to Canaan somehow. Just do your thing. He had to clean up the mess. He had to jump in there and start all over. And sometimes that's what it looks like. But the second big thing 
that we're looking at in this, and it's all one great big idea today of bearing with one another. But the second big aspect, this is one of the ones that it specifically tells us in several different key passages, you don't do this. A lay loan does not do that to each other. We do not do this. Let's say it out loud together. We do not condemn one another. See, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we submit to his authority. That's where we give up the right to decide what's right or wrong based on our own ideas, our own feelings, our own urges, our own pet peeves, our own wonderful favorite things. We don't get to do that anymore. We say Jesus makes the rules. And from that point on, we don't have the right to justify sin. We just talked about that. We don't have the right to give people that we love a pass because, well, you know, I don't think it's that wrong. So I'm sure God's okay with it. That's, we can't do that. But at the same time, we also don't have the right to hand out sentences to each other. To say, hey, you did that. You're out. You're off the team. This thing that I did was wrong too, but let me tell you, it's not as wrong as what you did. You're done. Get out. There's no hope for you. There's no coming back for what you did. We don't have the right to do that. We cannot condemn one another. We can't justify what people do. We can't just keep enabling them and empowering them to do the same thing. We've got to wait in there and try and fix it. But to be the judge and the jury is not our job. That Greek word is krine. You see it a lot of places. It can mean judge, decide, determine, pronounce, like you pronounce a verdict. Jesus himself used it in John 3, 16 and 17. You probably heard those ones before. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Here's the 17th verse. Here's where he uses that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He didn't send Jesus to make sure that everybody got their just punishment delivered to them. That everybody had to feel the pain that they so deserved. He sent his son to do that for us. To save us from it. That's a completely different way. That's not a way that any of us naturally look at life. But this is the body of Christ. This is the people of God. These are the sheep of the good shepherd. This is a different thing going on. And if it's not different, we're getting it wrong. And wherever it is, thank God, it's his power. But Jesus himself, again, very famously in the Sermon on the Mount said, do not judge or you will be judged. Just like he said several times, we talked about this a lot last week. If you do not forgive one another their sins, neither will you be forgiven for your sins. He expects us to do what he says. He expects us to not do the things he said not to do. Now, we're going to be doing quite a few deep dives here starting in February. We're going to be doing some deep Bible studies. There's several that are already started or start this week, uh, some of which I'm involved in, some I'm not. 
But if you're taking any kind of a deep dive into this idea of condemnation, of judgment, what the Bible actually says about it, one verse that will probably trip you up because it trips up a lot of people is Hebrews eleven seven. So I'm just going to clarify that real quick and we're going to move on. You ready? Hebrews eleven seven says this. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world... And became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with his faith. So it's okay to condemn? No. This is a very specific thing. Here's how this works. God told Noah what he was supposed to do and he did it. And everybody else did not do what they were supposed to do. Noah didn't condemn them by hanging off the side of the boat. I told y'all. I told you, that's what you deserve. That's not what it's doing. But in the same way, when somebody says, I just didn't see that stop sign. The police aren't really going to take that too seriously because a lot of people did. Right? Day after day after day after day, people see that same stop sign. I don't think the problem is the stop sign. That's all it means. He's not condemning them by saying, you guys, it's my place to say that you guys all need wiped out. That's God's place. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do exactly what God told me to do. Me and my family are going to build this ark and collect the animals we're going to do. That's the only way that we're allowed to condemn people. Just, we're going to do the right thing. Does that make sense? Okay. We move on. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. In other words, not only are we not supposed to write each other off completely, we need to be careful not to make it harder on each other at all. We should always be making it easier on people to come back and get another chance and eventually get it right. Paul writes to the Galatians, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Again, this is one of God's favorite things is to have this ripples in a pool kind of a image. Uh, There's you and him and then there's you and someone close, probably a spouse or a close friend. There's families. It it moves out. I, I don't need a show of hands, but I know if you grew up with siblings, you know what I'm talking about. There's this thing where nobody else messes with your brother and sister, right? But you do. And they mess with you, right? You know what I'm talking about. But, but the problem is we, we get that backwards. That's, that's really not how it's supposed to work. And one of the reasons God gives us marriages and families is so that we have somebody who's locked in with us to practice on. And the mistake that so many of us made is we go, well, this person's stuck with me. I'll treat them however I want. They've got to deal with it. God told them to deal with it. They have to deal with it or they're sinning. Ha, ha, ha. I'll be polite to everybody else. It's not how that works. We're supposed to be practicing 
on the people that love us most, the people that have that lifetime commitment that we've made to them and they've made to us, the people that are born or adopted into our family, the people that we have willingly joined a small group or a community with, the people that are part of our bigger congregation or just somewhere part of the body of Christ around the world. We partner with them on purpose and that's how we grow. Here at Morrison Hill, there's a couple things we have written down. Uh, we don't say them all the time because we're much more concerned that you hear the Bible itself more than even just how we interpret it. But I want to share two statements that we, we kind of use to evaluate some of the things that we do around here. One is we strengthen our church by strengthening our families. That's the reason that we do so much for each age group. That's why we do things sometimes for the entire family all at once. That's why we focus on teaching that empowers you to treat your family better. If you get better at family, you're going to get better at church. You're going to get better at reaching the world as a church. Second one is we expect, encourage, and train our members to put God first in every area of life. We don't just tell you you should. We expect it. We're going to give you grace. We expect grace from you. But we, this is actually who we are. This is what we do. This is why we're going through this right now, among many other things. This is, what, this is who we are. And we encourage one another. We say, hey, listen, I know you can't do this on your own, but God is on your side and we're on your side. And if we do this together, we can. And we train one another, not just on Sunday mornings, but in other situations. And just by serving side by side and just by walking through life together. It's one of the many reasons we encourage everybody to join a Sunday school class or a small group. We need this training. We need this, not just an encouragement. We don't need somebody yelling at us. We need somebody to help us get there. Paul wrote two letters to the church in Corinth. The first one has a lot of wonderful stuff in it that we quote all the time. But if you read the whole, pat, the whole book, you just sat down and read it. He speaks the truth in love, but it doesn't always sound that loving. And in the second letter, he kind of not apologizes, but kind of clarifies. In 2 Corinthians 7, he's talking about, listen, the stuff I was telling you last time, I'm serious about that. You got to get that right. But he says, I, I, I do not say this to condemn you. I didn't tell you all that stuff to write you off. I didn't tell you all that stuff to say, hey, the Corinthian church is no longer a church. You're not part of our network anymore. You guys crossed the line. We're done. That's not why I wrote that letter. I wrote it to you because you're still part of the body of Christ and you need to get this stuff right. You represent Jesus. You represent all of us. In 2 Corinthians 7.1, he says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Which leads us to not so much a third big idea, but kind of almost the bullseye of the target we've been aiming at this whole thing this morning. Would you say it out loud with this? This is, this is what we're talking about today. We bear with one another. One more time. And think about this. This is us. We're making a statement. This is who we are. This is what we do. Say it with me. We bear with one another. And now what that means is we help each other. We help each other stay out of trouble. We help each other avoid sin. 
And when somebody sins, we help them find restoration. We help people. We help people plan. We help people do life better. And when they mess up, we help them clean up the mess. And when we mess up, they help us clean up the mess. Sometimes we help them carry their burdens. Sometimes we have to carry them. We win and we lose together. We compensate for each other, not because we're trying to make it easy to sin, but because we're trying to make it easier to heal, to change. A couple weeks ago, I brought this exact same boot. I'm bringing it back one more time because it just makes sense. This thing, if anybody's ever had to wear one, I'm sorry about that, but it's a pretty cool invention. It allows you to totally immobilize your whole foot and ankle and everything and then just go on with life while that thing heals. But you know, if you've ever had to wear one, the rest of your body has to compensate. Just wearing that, that allows that part of your body to rest and heal. And that's the whole point. But the whole rest of your body is doing weird stuff that you normally don't do. The whole rest of your body is swinging and moving and lifting and doing things differently than it normally has to so that you can get around. And nobody wears these for fashion reasons. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Nobody goes, you know what I think would look cool? I was going to wear one of those big old snow boot looking things. It's just neat. I like how people walk when they wear those. It just looks neat. It looks fine. Nobody does that because that they're doing that because they want that thing to heal and they can get back to walking normally. This is how we bear one another's burdens. This is why we do it. Paul writes, we be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Just like you got one sore foot, the other foot's going to take more of the weight. And take more of the time, you're going to limp a little bit until that one's better. Or like the great theologian Rick Astley says, I am never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Never going to run around and desert you. Never going to make you cry. Never going to say goodbye. Never going to tell a lie and hurt you. You didn't expect to get Rick rolled this morning, did you? That's good. That's truth right there. That's truth. That's, that's, it's out there. He, he, I, he's not trying to teach Christians what to do, but that's the kind of love we're supposed to have for one another. That's, that's it. It describes it. Paul, back in Ephesians 4, one more time, as a prisoner, for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If you know me at all, you know I love the Lord of the Rings and all that. My boys make fun of me. I can't say the word hobbits without crying. That's not 100% true, but it's close. And it's mostly because of this one scene. There's this one scene in the three books where if you don't know Lord of the Rings, I'm not going to wear you out with all the lore, but you got to understand this, this magic ring that they've got, they've got to dump it into this volcano. And only one person can carry it. Nobody else can carry it. It's just how the story works, trust me, okay? 
But he's got this loyal friend that's been with him through the entire time. And they finally get almost to the end. Lots of people have died. Lots of stuff has been sacrificed. So much stuff has happened up to this point. And he finally says, I just can't go anymore. I can't do it. And he says, Sam, you carry it. And Sam says, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it for you. Dang it. There I go again. (laughs) I can't carry it for you, but I can carry it you and he picks him up and he carries him the rest of the way that's what love looks like that's why I I don't care about hobbits I know they're pretend (laughs) but that's not that's the alelon kind of love that Jesus called us into that's what it looks like that should be normal Instead of condemning one another, instead of writing each other off, slander, gossip, any other terrible alternatives, instead of just doing absolutely nothing, which is equally terrible, just doesn't seem as terrible. That's what it looks like. We bear with one another. We carry each other's burdens, and if we have to, we carry each other. We make sure that everybody gets to the end of the story together. Paul writes, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's a version of the Bible called The Message. It's a paraphrase by a really great Bible teacher named Eugene Peterson. I don't recommend it as your only Bible. I don't recommend that you see it as a translation. But it's a very interesting and very useful Bible study tool, if that makes sense. How one person paraphrased all those verses after studying them for a long time is an interesting thought. It's like reading a commentary. I really like the way he renders this one. The same passage we've been marinating in these last few minutes. He says, So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So it comes down to this. What are we going to do about all this? I hope this clarified some things. I hope it's going to stick. You're going to remember it. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself. A few of you laughed. A couple people got teary, mostly me. But, but what's really important is what we're going to do about all this, brothers and sisters. So one more time, let's, let's talk about that. If we make allowance for one another, let me tell you what that feels like on a daily basis. Sometimes that feels like you're doing a lot more than your share. You know why it feels like that? Because you are. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying that's what it feels like and that's what we're saying When we say that we make allowance for another, there are going to be seasons when you have to do way more work than you really should have to do for that season. 
But the dream is that things get better. And sometimes it's going to feel like it's taken way longer than it should take. Yep. You're not the only one. Would you say that out loud with me, though? We make allowance for one another. It's who we are. It's what we do. And if you're trying not to condemn somebody, you're you're always going to be, as a human being, you're always going to be tempted to go polarized with it. You're going to go to one or two opposites. If you're trying not to condemn somebody, you're always going to be tempted to either go to the side where you say, listen, it's just not wrong. It's okay. All the other Christians and God himself need to just relax. You're good. I'm good. Just move on. We dare not go there. That's not our place. Or sometimes with the same people, sometimes in the same situations, many of us are driven the other way. We, our natural go-to temptation is to go the other way. What you did is wrong. Don't you see this in the Bible? Haven't you heard? It's just, it's, uh, you're done. You're out of my life. That's not our place either. Would you say it with me? We do not condemn one another. And finally, sometimes you're going to be the one who needs to be carried. And I don't know about you, but that's usually the hardest part for me. It's the hardest part for me to say, I can't do this anymore. I can't go any further. Here, you do it. And somebody else go, oh, I got it for you. That's even harder than carrying it for somebody else. But let me tell you, it's also really stinking hard to carry it for somebody else sometimes. And all of us have to do that. That's what it is. Because this is who we are. This is what we do. Would you say it with me? We bear with one another. I don't know what business you have with God this morning. I don't know what choices in these directions you need to make. But we're going to sing again. And and there's actually going to be just a tiny bit of extra time today. If you've got work to do with God, you could just pray while the rest of us are singing. If, you, if it's meaningful, you could come forward. You, you can pray in groups. You can sing. You can do all of the above. I, I don't care, but if you've got a choice that God is telling you to make this morning, would you be bold? Would you be courageous? Would you make that step as we stand and as we sing?